All right, everyone, how are you doing? I am Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast International Series, and here with me I have... Uh, Caitlin Barber, uh, coach and captain currently for Bath Spartans, uh, coach for Trowbridge, um, and that's kind of it at the moment. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say you're the coach for Spartans? Bath Spartans. Bath Spartans. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, why did I get that... What I I heard I heard Spartans, but at the same time I heard Bath, and I instantly thought Bath Bombers. No, I have played for Bath Bombers, but okay. my my main team is Bath Spartans. Okay, um, and you say you play for Trowbridge? Tro- yeah, so Trowbridge is my hometown, which is just outside Bath. So when I finished uni, I went back and I set up a dodgeball club there uh, as well. So. They're oh, little known, haven't done anything yet. At the moment, we're still rebounding from, from COVID. Of course. Um, for the people who aren't familiar with uh, geography in England or the UK, um, is it closer to London? Is it closer to Leicester? Is it closer to, and I'm talking about um, your hometown, um, Manchester, where would Trowbridge be like closest to that we would know? So. Trowbridge is just outside Bath, which is in the southwest. So it's sort of the other side of the bottom of the country to London, oh, near okay. Bristol. Near Bristol, if anyone knows where Bristol is. Uh, I know where Bristol, Connecticut is. <laughs> I don't know where Bristol, England. <laughs> I'll say that. Basically, I, I the, meet... the the southwest, the bit that sticks out. Okay, all right. So the Bristol is like the part that sticks out the most on the southwest side. No, no, that's that's technically Devon and Cornwall, but. I know that England is a lot smaller than the US, so yeah. I'm trying to think of regions. No, no, that, that's fair. I mean, when you said Bristol, I instantly think Connecticut, which is in the East Coast for us, but I also know there's a Bristol in England as well. So, All right. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to do some geography, people. I'm going to be doing a lot more visits, hopefully, in the future. Uh, before we start with your story, uh, what's your jersey number for your club, and what's the story behind it? So I've, I've always gone with 77 and the story behind that is a little bit of a disaster. So hmm. when I, when I started playing, uh, I was originally playing for my uni, which was Bath Spa. Um, and one of my friends was also playing. And when, when they did the kit order, we were trying to think of numbers and we were like, Oh, you know, what number sh- should we go for? And we decided to go for numbers that added up to a hundred so that it would be like we were given a hundred percent because we were given a hundred percent. So we went with 77 and 33. We were really pleased with ourselves. We were like, Oh yeah, you know, that's, that's really good. That adds up to a hundred. And then about six months later, someone pointed out that that actually adds up to 110. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> but it's just kind of stuck. So I've always had 77. 77 has always been my number, no matter what kit I buy. So it's, it has stuck. <laughs> We just we oh. just went round. We were like, well, okay, well, fine. Well, we're giving one hundred and ten percent then, ten percent more than a hundred. There we go. Um, I was gonna say when you mentioned seventy-seven and thirty-three, and that added up to a hundred. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, no, it took I'm us like, so long to realize as well. Like someone had to point it out, and I was like, oh my god, of course it does. Like how how have we messed this up? <laughs> I mean, if you look as someone who's dyslexic, I can understand mistakes like this. Um, but as someone who lit or uh, coming from you, who lives in one of the top four or top four edu- uh, countries in the world, as far as education goes, 
<laughs> I was just like, wow, um, that's not that's not a good look. We're just we're gonna breeze by that. So everyone on that team initially had either seventy seven or thirty three. Uh, no, no, no. So I had seventy seven, and my friend had thirty three, and then I've just stuck with seventy seven throughout. Oh, okay, okay. So this was more like between you and your friend. This wasn't like a club yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You either no, had no, no. Together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so let's get to your story a little bit. Um, wh- when, when was your first uh, dodgeball session and what was that like? Well, um, when I went to university, uh, I was commuting and I was commuting from Trowbridge to Bath, which isn't actually far if you drive. It's like 20 minutes drive. Hmm. But on the bus, it's like two hours because of all the stops it takes. So I hate that. I couldn't, I couldn't drive at the time and... I'd always been really, really into sport. And at the time I was, I was really into badminton, but the badminton club went on for, it was eight till 10, which meant I would get home at like midnight and then I'd have to get up at five to get to uni. And I was mm. like, I, I can't, there's no way I can't do this because by the time I'd got in, had a shower, got ready, made my lunch, it'd be like half past one in the morning. And then I'd only get like four hours sleep. So I was like, okay, I, I can't do this. So I was trying to look for sports that were similar. And then there was a dodgeball club that ran from half six till half seven. And I was like, oh, that's a really good time. And it was in, it was in town. So I could walk back to the bus, bus stop like really quickly. And I was like, oh, well, this is kind of similar. Like it's a similar action. I'll go give it a try. And I went to go give it a try. And I was like, this is great. Love it. And um, obviously I'd done a lot of sport before that it involved some kind of throwing action. So I was like, oh, I can I can pick this up. I can pick this up pretty quickly. And um, obviously this was the time of three ball when the balls were bigger. Right. So it was a bit of a learning curve because you have to kind of flat palm throw, but I just really loved it. So carried on what going you- back. <laughs> what, what year was this? That would have been 2014. Oh, so almost at yeah. like the tail end of the three ball era. Yeah, so I think... I think three ball was fully phased out just just before I graduated, I think. And initially when they brought five ball in, I was like, I hate this. This sucks. <laughs> and um, and now I, I think about three ball and I'm like, no, no, that one sucked. I, I don't know if I could ever go back to three ball dodgeball. Is that just a personal consensus or do you feel like you're speaking for like the entire country at that point? I think realistically, most people look back at three ball and think, what were we doing? What was that? Because I, I, in my head, I can't, I can't work out how it ever works. Like, it, it must have just been catch. Because I mean, I two, can. T- <laughs> you're gonna throw both, and then there's gonna be a counter. Then they're gonna have two. It, it's just a loop. So yeah. in my head, I, I can't work out how it ever worked. But it, but it must have done. I mean, it did for early on in my playing career. I mean, I remember watching like competitions and Euros and stuff like that. I mean, and you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It was pretty much a catching game at that point. Yeah. Um, you had some good hits here and there, but it was mainly catching. Um, but uh, you said this was back in 2014? Yeah, that you 2014. Yep. And you graduated when? 2017. Okay, so... That would have been right before. No, that would have been right after the World Cup. Then the World Cup in Manchester. Do you recall that? Yes, just about. 
it's not even that long ago, but two, <laughs> year, two like years of COVID has frazzled my brain. I just, <laughs> I, I can't even remember a time before COVID, to be honest, at this point. But <sighs> That's the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like anytime I talk to anyone, either here or abroad, it's like the past two years is, might as well been the past two decades at this point. Yeah. Not a lot has happened, but it felt like it went a lot longer than it, you know, or it felt like, yeah, it felt a lot longer than yeah. it actually was two years. I think I can, I can remember the Atlantic Cup happening. Were you there oh for that? I, I wasn't there for it, but um, I did watch some of the streams. And I think that was the Atlantic Cup had foam dodgeball. Yep. And it was the first time I'd ever seen that played. <laughs> and what was your um, impression about it? So foam dodgeball is growing. And I, I have a similar reaction to three ball to five ball where I'm, I'm like, mm, I'm not really a fan, but <laughs> I have just ordered six foam dodgeballs because do you know what? I'm going to give it a go because maybe it will be like three to five ball. Maybe I'll be, you know, in, a, in six months time, I'll go, no, I love this. So I, I, I'm going <laughs> to give it a go. I'm going to learn. But at the moment I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh no. And I've, you know, after getting hit in the face by one, when you're trying to eat a sandwich, you're like, mm, no, I'm not a fan. I think they, <laughs> I think they hurt more. Yeah, that's my personal uh, opinion. It depends. Uh, I feel like depending on who's throwing it, it can hurt, but the level of pain is, is uh, it, it, it varies. Like when you get hit with a rubber ball, I mean, for me, rubber and cloth feel the same because they're both heavy, but Foam just has that little sting to it because people can throw that a lot faster. Yeah, it's that. And it's also because it, it's squidgy, all the force has to go into you, I think, because they hit you and they drop. They don't really bounce. Whereas with a cloth ball, if you get hit in the face, it spreads all the all the energy out over your whole face because they're bigger. And then it bounces off. That is very true. Um, luckily, I've not been hit in the face, but um, I'm definitely going to... Hopefully, I think I, I've been hit in the face far too many times. So, <laughs> I, I remember at one at one league, think I was the last person in. And I was like, right, I've got to make a catch here, and the other team threw four balls, and they managed to throw them all four of them in a line. So they weren't together; they were all in a line. So and they were all at face height, and all four of them hit me in the face one by one. <laughs> and I, I just feel like the chances of that happening were so slim, yet it happened. And then yeah, the team they, came over and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm not quite sure how you did that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're probably thinking the same thing. I think there's there's even a photo somewhere, I have to dig it out at some point, where British Dodgeball were taking pictures and you can see me sort of closing my eyes, realizing I'm about to be hit in the face and a line of four Dodgeballs. And you can sort of like, if you were looking at it as a picture, you you might think, oh, they're going in different places, but they are, no, they're all in a perfect line. I, I got to see this pic. I'm going to have to dig it out. I'm going to have to dig it out. It's somewhere. It's uh, anyone who's ever done any photography for British Dodgeball. Can you send me the pic? Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you I'm guys pretty know sure I've been it. tagged in it. And I remember looking at it and being like, that was definitely that moment where I got hit in the face. <laughs> you just knew from the, the picture? I think I knew from the look on my face. I was like, I wouldn't be pulling that face if I wasn't going to get hit. That's definitely coming at, at my face. <laughs> Are you like, what, really short for them to be like face height? Or what was um, that all? I dropped to, to make a catch because I thought 
hopefully a few will go over my head and then one will go nice and low and I'll catch it. And then they all went at face height and I'd obviously dropped my face into the path. <laughs> mm. So in a way, you kind of just asked for it. <laughs> it it must have looked thing. really weird. It must have looked like I just put my face in the way. Because I don't think I'm, I fully dropped. I think I did like a squat. You know, it was like, okay, well, I'll duck and I'll go for a catch. And then they all came at the same height. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. I was about to say, um, if it was like a standing face shot, I would have been like, wow, that's, that's, that was personal. But the fact that you either squatted or dropped for it, I'm like, all right, that, that's par for the course at that point. Um, what was your first uh, dodgeball club? When, um, I forgot to ask that. My first club was my uni club. So um, I think originally we were called the Bath Spa Badgers. Um, or, and the Bath Spa Honey Badgers. Um, and I think we we took that up to... We accidentally entered the Women's Nationals. So Accidentally entered? Yeah, so our coach at the time there's a guy called adam and he wanted to do a freshers tournament because the uni had it was like the second year that the university had ever run a dodgeball club and it was the first time they'd got real dodgeballs so they were like well, we're going to enter a competition and at the time the governing body was uk dba and they did mm. these like what they called freshers tournaments where if you had new players didn't necessarily have to be freshers they could be anyone who was new you could enter them in and what they'd done is they'd done the women's freshers tournament on the same day as the men's nationals. And they'd done the men's freshers tournament on the same day as the women's nationals. And our coach booked onto the men's freshers and then saw the women's competition and was like, oh, great. The women's freshers competition is on the same day. But he'd actually, <laughs> he'd entered our freshers team into the women's nationals. And we didn't realize until we got there. And there were all these like, seasoned veteran teams and then us who had been playing dodgeball for three months and <laughs> we just got we got battered all day and then we i think we won we won one frame of one game and it was like we'd won everything and it was it was amazing and it was just like oh we won something we have a point because at the time it was obviously one point you know one point per yeah per frame and it was like, that's fine. We we have a point. We haven't come away with zero. But yeah, no, we got absolutely battered. And obviously the men did really well because it was a nice, gentle, freshers tournament. But we had, yeah, we had quite a They entered the freshers tournament. Yeah. You entered the heavyweight championship. <laughs> yeah. It was, in, it was in Cannock, I think. And I think Birmingham won. I want to say Birmingham won. But um, yeah, we were definitely, we were in the wrong place. We, we should not have been there. And I think a lot of the teams, like midway through the game, they were like, hmm, I think these might be beginners. Yeah, what do you think gave that away? <laughs> it, it was interesting, actually, because it did take a few teams a while before they were like, hang on, have you ever played before? It was like, okay, well, if it's taken them half a game to realize that, we must be doing something right. Right. But uh, yeah, we, wait, wait, was it I don't half even the think game we had or half the tournament. Half the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, if it took people that long to realize it, suffice to say, you guys were doing something fundamentally sound and something right. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the day. 
I think in a way being thrown in at the deep end was it was like okay people can get really good at this I can get really good at this so although we were absolute trash at that point I was like wow <laughs> we could we could be as good as this if we if we try hard enough it was a good eye opener I think if we'd have done a freshers tournament it probably wouldn't have given me the same level of motivation Oh, look at that. A clerical error uh, helps spawn <laughs> your competitive drive. Yeah, because I think Freshers Tournament, it would have been it would have been a good laugh, but we would have all been in the same boat. But when you see players and you're like, wow, look at look at them play, look at how succinct it is, that gives you an idea about where you want to get to. And, <laughs> and so other than um, entering the wrong tournament, so to speak your biggest takeaway was you know you can you can get better from that yeah because a, a lot of the teams there were were university teams so i was like well at most they've got two years on us because if they're third years they've only got two years on us mm -hmm. so there's no reason why we can't be that good in two years time so that that was your first tournament right that was our first tournament yeah um what would you have what would you say your biggest achievement with that particular team was? What with well with Bath Spa, it would have yeah. been just before I graduated, we we really turned the membership around. Um it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a great achievement, but we went from having like fifteen people to fifty regular people. Which oh I think, wow. Yeah, for, I mean I at the time, I mean for us that was so good. And to know that we were kind of handing the club over and it had a good base. Um, for me, that was, that was really good. And also, you know, it's, it's players to then feed into like local teams as well. Cause obviously when I graduated, I was going into a local team and I was thinking, well, there's, there's loads of players who can then do the same thing that I did. And I have a feeling there's probably players who played in that team who probably play in other teams around the country. Now, what would you attribute that? growth to from 15 to 50 that's more than double it was like 200 percent increase what would you say so, you did differently in your time when i was in my third year one of my projects like so i did a, a graphic communication degree which um i really didn't enjoy i <laughs> i was not creative enough for it but i'm quite good at marketing so I ended up kind of going into marketing and my tutors didn't like that because they were like, no, don't like marketing. It needs to be graphics. And I was like, okay, but I'm good at this. So I'm going to do that. Um, one of my projects I decided to do was I was going to rebrand, remarket the club. And I did it with, with one of my friends who was doing a photography degree. So we kind of did a collaborative final project. So we made loads of marketing stuff. We put stuff out there. We did flyers, we did surveys, we changed the social media, we got a new logo. And I think it was it was all of that. Like, because we just put everything out there, we were so on it with our marketing, we just attracted more people in. And also it's one of those things where if you go to if you go to Freshers Fair, where you've got all the sports clubs, Dodgeball's so interesting. Everyone wants to come over and be like, this is cool. I didn't know this was a thing. That's the prime opportunity to reel them in because people don't, people see a dodgeball store and they don't walk past. They come over and they go, well, how does this work then? I've, I've seen the film, but I didn't realize it was a real thing. And um, 
I just feel like if you can't capitalize on that, you're doing something wrong. Everyone wants to talk about dodgeball. I mean, if you, I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I talk to people for the first time and they go, oh, do you, do you do anything in your spare time? I'm like, oh yeah, I play dodgeball. They're like, oh my God, tell me more. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I get a lot of similar reactions and some people will literally spit out like the cheesy lines from the dodgeball oh, yeah. movie. So, but yeah, I, I get the similar reactions here. Um, it's funny because like my job, knows that i play dodgeball and they my boss is because you know they're watching worlds and stuff like that on the tv screens that we have at our at our uh at our shop he actually offered to pay for my trip uh whenever i make team usa like i got yeah right like my job loves it and they tag me in anything dodgeball related that they see and i'm like yeah i've seen this yesterday oh that's an old clip i seen that four years ago you know stuff like that but yeah it, it is a conversation starter if anything it's something to capitalize on once you once you reel them in so to speak because yeah yeah it, it it definitely lends itself even for the most introverted people like myself like once people you know ask me about dodgeball like it's right there like it's so easy even i can do it <laughs> Um, so you graduated and you started a club in Trowbridge? Yeah. So that was, that was the year after I graduated, I think. So 2018. Oh, okay. So the year after you, you, you started that, uh, club. So, um, how was it like starting a club essentially in your hometown? Yeah, it was a real slow grow. Um, (laughs) I come from, so obviously I live in Bath at the moment. I don't live in Trowbridge. Um, Trowbridge is a, is a little, little county town where the emphasis is really on football or rugby. You know, if you're playing sport, you're playing football or rugby, unless you're elderly, then you're playing badminton. So (laughs) trying to draw people away from that is really tricky. So, you know, right now we have a real solid base of players, but it's, it needs to grow. And one thing that really, really did hamper that was COVID. COVID really threw a spanner in the works. So we've been rebuilding from that. Um, but it, it is growing very slowly. And it's really great to see like players improve or to hear that they've improved. I've, I obviously train in Bath as well. And I've got a lot of quite seasoned players who play at Bath. And they'll come to an occasional session. And I had one guy come. And he hadn't been for a few months. And he was like, wow, they've improved so much in that few months. And of course, when you see them every week, you don't pick up on it too much. You pick up on that kind of confidence building. Yeah. But to kind of hear it, you're like, oh, that's good, right? I must be doing something right then. <laughs> and and people do stick, you know, there's there's the odd person who comes and they, they sort of get hit by a ball and they think, oh, no, this isn't for me. But generally people do stick. You know, once they give it a try, they're like, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I'm going to keep coming. <laughs> so obviously covid hampered a lot of things um is that ne- is that legitimately your only challenge or is it just the other sports in that town as well it's the other the, the main challenge is to draw people away from the kind of traditional sports um it's it's making people realize that they can do good stuff with dodgeball basically because obviously if you play football you can play in football leagues and you can play in 
um, all these other things representing your your hometown. If you play rugby, you can do the same. And I think people hear dodgeball and they think recreation. And it's sort of letting them know that, no, no, you can put on the Trowbridge top and you can represent your town at a regional or a national league. So it's, you know, it's one of those kind of slow burns of kind of getting it in people's mind. At the moment, we're on a massive marketing drive. I have peppered the social media and I've got <laughs> banners and flyers and cards and everything. So we're going on a real recruitment drive. I've had to invest quite a lot of money into that. But mm, it works. When you when you know what you're doing and you can do it well, it does work. It's just you have to get into people's minds. And you, the other thing is, is, you have to be able to appeal to people recreationally and competitively. I have a few people who come and they're absolutely not interested in being competitive. And that's fine. As long as they're coming every week and they're getting involved and they're enjoying it, I don't have a problem with that. So it's balancing that, those those two interests. Yeah. Um, so so you, your, your biggest advice, and this is something I was going to ask, but I think you already answered it already. Uh, for starting a club, just try to appeal to people both competitive and recreational and get in their minds kind of? Yeah, it's it's raising awareness of what you can do. I think you need to have a really good balance of showcasing people just generally having fun playing at a session, but also people getting involved and doing the competitive stuff. Because if you go right down the competitive route, you're going to turn off people who are who are like, well, I just want to do something different and get active. And if you go more recreational, people who are competitive see that and they go, no, I'm going to go play football or rugby or somewhere where I can do a league. So you have to kind of strike a balance. But also, if you want to recruit people, you have to be really proactive with your marketing. You, you have to have stuff on your Facebook or your Instagram. You have to engage with people. You have to have stuff. And you have to get... Your players who are kind of committed, they have to engage with that as well. They have to share stuff. They have to take a bit of ownership for growing it. And I mean, that's one thing that my Trowbridge players are so good at is they do like and share everything. They do help um, probably because every single week um, in my announcements, I say, I'm putting these posts out. Can I have some likes and shares, please? But they are very proactive with it, which I'm always really grateful for. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that de- that definitely does make a a, a big difference in, in in the long run because it's going to reach a lot of people. Obviously, you want to take ownership of your brand, ownership of your team, or ownership of whatever you're doing. It, it takes time, but it can happen. Whether it's a slow burn or a quick flash in the pan. Hopefully not a flash yeah. in the pan, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, it, it could definitely, it, it could definitely work. You just have to be patient with it. Yeah, a lot of it is it, it is down to to patience, really. Like stuff generally doesn't work immediately, especially on social media. Social media it takes a while for algorithms to start putting your stuff to the right people, and it that's when it does become really important for people to like and share stuff because the more interactions you get the more facebook will put your stuff out there to other people this yeah i mean this is obviously this is my background i work in digital marketing yeah. so but <laughs> no i mean preaching to the choir here at this point um 
So before we continue with your story, a mutual friend of ours, Hannah, reached out to me, or rather, I reached out to her. Uh, you love her her pet cat, Glenn, don't you? Oh, I love Glenn. I've never <laughs> met Glenn, and I love Glenn. <laughs> Do you have any pets of your own? I don't. I used to have three cats, and oh, that explains it. The last one did passed away <laughs> back in oh. like two thousand and. 12 or something a long time ago but i'm definitely i'm a cat person i love dogs but i'm i'm definitely a cat person hence why trowbridge is trowbridge tigers oh, i was about to ask what the name of the team was because you just kept saying trowbridge yeah no trowbridge is trowbridge tigers i if there was going to be anything that began with a t it was going to have to be tigers there's just there's so much potential for that. And also, no one else has an orange and black kit. So we have the orange and black kit. Wait, orange and black? Yeah. Like a okay. tiger. Oh, I mean, duh. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, you said no one has that. And I can think of two NFL teams that do. <laughs> Wait, we're talking uh, about... In, in the UK. In the UK, in the UK. dodgeball teams. Yeah. I got I to gotta see what this uh, Trowbridge jersey looks like. Because... Um... I'm not gonna white. lie, it is it is my favorite kit. I know I designed it, but I'm really <laughs> proud of it. Uh, send it to me, and then I'll I'll do a reaction for the people at home for because yeah, I may not have I don't think I've ever seen the kit. I know I've heard of the name, or rather heard of the town. I'm gonna but... I'm gonna do it on my phone. Also, I've just had a team a team's message, so I'm just gonna quit that before it, <laughs> before it pings off again. Oh god! Well, it didn't ping off on audio, so you're good on that. Silent. Uh, I just, I just want to see what this jersey looks like, and then I'll react to the to the crowd. And, and... I've definitely got a photo on my phone somewhere. Well, while you're doing that, um, um, what what has your biggest achievement been with uh, the Tigers, Trowbridge Tigers? Like any major like medals or championships you guys have won? Uh, we we actually haven't entered anything. Um, we did a we did a small competition um, pre COVID with with the old team. Obviously, a lot of them have gone on to uni. Mm. Um, but I I think the biggest achievement really for us at the moment is how many people are are kind of getting involved with dodgeball. Like I've got players who have gone to uni and then started dodgeball clubs at the uni because they loved playing at Trowbridge or they've moved away but made an effort to find a dodgeball team. So I've had players who've moved away and go to play for Stafford, go to play for London Storm. Oh, wow. And so it's things like that where you know you're doing something right if people are still playing or finding ways to play. And I've got a member at the moment, actually, who it's just been voted to be captain his name's Dan. He works as a school activator. So he kind of helps kind of set up uh, clubs for schools. And he's just set up a club with a school in Bridgewater, which is near Taunton, which is about an hour away from where I am. Um, <laughs> and it's he's only been playing realistically for a few months and he's loved it so much that he's gone out, got a coaching qualification and set oh, up nice. another club. And it's like, well... <laughs> It's, it's things like that where we might not have gold medals and we probably won't have any gold medals anytime soon. But I have so many members who I'm just really proud of who've gone on to do things and get better. That's really cool. That's really cool that they're like, 
spreading their wings, so to speak, and, and really taking their love that you instilled in them elsewhere at times. Um, I wanted to ask, it also came to my attention that you're also a streamer too. Um, how long ago did you start streaming and what has that experience been like for you? Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm a successful streamer by any means. I think it's more for pleasure, really. Um, I actually, I think it was last year. So not January, just gone, but January before. Um, and it was because I had just built myself my own computer because obviously we had to start working from home and I didn't want to be working on a tiny MacBook. And I was like, I've, I've been meaning to build a computer for a while. I'm just going to do it. And I suddenly had the capability to play loads more games. I was no longer stuck with a very slow PlayStation 4. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't realize how slow the PlayStation 4 was until I built my own computer, I'm not going to lie. So anyone who's still playing on a PlayStation 4, I'm really sorry. Because hey. it's so slow. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm going to let you share your story, but don't be bashing on PlayStation. <laughs> Wait a minute. Don't Hold get me on. wrong, my PlayStation 4 is bolted to the underside of my desk so that I can go from work to game mode very quickly. Okay, you're but... one of my favorite people. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, bought, I had to buy custom um, 3D printed brackets so that it would slide in and out of the drawer under the desk. And I was like, Do you know what, if it's going to be anywhere, it's got to be up here with the, with the nice. good screen and the good headset. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just... I'd sort of thought it would be a bit of fun whilst I couldn't play any dodgeball because obviously I'd, there was COVID and I'd also had the shoulder surgery and other people who played dodgeball, but also couldn't play because of COVID were like, yeah, we want to play games. Let's play games together. So I just started like running game sessions. So there'd be different ones. We do among us, we do full guys for people who sort of had that capability. We do golf with friends, like all these other kind of, you know, like lighthearted games and people just really got involved with it. And then I was like, I, I could stream this. That would be something that would be fun for me to do. It's <laughs> creative. You know, you can make like, I sort of have like custom slides for things like that, which I've put effort into. So it was just sort of something that, that became a bit of a, something that filled what would have been dodgeball time. And then I mm. just have continued with it because I just quite enjoy doing it. I, it's, I just find it enjoyable, but also it motivates me to to still schedule these games. And I think for, for, for a fair few people who I do play games with regularly, it's something that they really enjoy. And that if I just stopped doing it, that they would probably be a bit devastated. So yeah. I just keep it going because it's good fun. And it's a good way to like get to know people. And I feel like I know these people I play games with really well. And I've never met, I've never met half of them. A few of them I have I have met now for the first time. We met at Mixed League, um, which was really interesting because it was like, oh, you know, it feels really weird to meet you in person. I've only ever just heard your voice on the end of a Discord chat. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's it's just really fun. I really enjoy it. If, if anyone is into games, I would recommend giving it a go at some point, even if it's just your voice. Um, I think I sort of toyed with the idea of it being just voice initially. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm going to go whole hog. I'll get a camera. <laughs> and uh we'll definitely get into that a little bit later because something popped up on my uh on my feed so to speak and we'll de i'll definitely put you on blast for this one um 
you never played for like the national team or anything? I was in the England Development Academy for about a year. Oh, um, wow. But, and I have to admit in that, I think it was, I think it was about a year. In that year, I don't think I've ever improved so much. It was such a great experience. But I unfortunately, just before Euros, didn't make the cut the second time round. And I think it was, I just sort of had fallen behind other people in terms of fitness. I'd suffered an injury. Um, and it also was costing me quite a lot of money in transport and I couldn't make all the sessions. So mm. it's something I'd love to do in the future. I was really gutted this year when I found out they were doing closed trials um, because I really, I was like, this is my year. I've had shoulder surgery, my shoulder's fixed. And uh, and obviously I'm, I'm getting older. I'm, I'm not, for, for playing sport, I'm playing at that kind of level. I'm definitely running out of time. So, but I did, um, I did fill out the form to do the GB trials because I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. And um, I did do that. And I, I have really enjoyed that day as well. It is stuff like that is just such an eye opener for improving. And you pick yeah. up on so many things, like just little drills. You're like, oh, I never thought of drilling it this way. I'm going to drill that with my, with my players back at home. So oh, I'd, I mean... lo I'd love to get to that that level again i am aware that i'm running out of time wait you said so, again you played with them before like you uh, actually as in like i'd love to get into the england academy again oh okay okay but you know it may be that it's something that isn't actually on the cards for me at this point um and i'm i am finding that doing the coaching and watching players that i coach go on to do things is just as fulfilling really as it would be to do it myself yeah. Um, if anything, I will say um, this is more not just for you, but for anyone listening. Uh, I don't believe in the phrase not in the cards. And the reason I don't believe in that is because unless you're playing poker or any kind of card game, that reference makes no no sense. And what I mean by that is um, I'm not a, a slave to the mindset of things written for me. Like when people say it's it's not in the cards for you. Don't worry about it. You don't know that. You oh, don't yeah, I mean, write. You don't write down what happens six months after the fact. Yeah, six I mean, I'll definitely go. That. I'll go to yeah. the trials and I'll see what happens and I'll give it my best. But it's you one know, of those I'm, things where I know there's so many people out there who are better, and if anything. I, I, I don't see it as like something where I would be devastated if it never happened, but there would be a lot I could get from just trying. Yeah. You know, spending six hours trialing with people who are that good is really invaluable. Like obviously with the GB trials, that was, I think it was about five hours. Coming oh. away from that and being like, wow, you know, I've just spent five hours trialing with people who are the best of the best being told stuff by coaches who are the best coaches in the country you come away with with so much to build on and i've definitely kind of taken it back to like my teams and been like right we're gonna look at these types of gameplay now because i've got that in my mind mm. so it does help you improve it's it's yeah. so, it's so good and i would recommend anyone even if you don't think you're good enough go and trial go and do it because you get so much out of it even if you don't get a place the 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 improvement and the awareness that you get out of it is worth going 
Yeah, um, definitely for sure. Um, I'm just one of those people that don't believe in fate. Like I, I believe you create your own fate. So when people say not in the cards, it's never something I subscribe to. Um, so let's talk about, uh, you said you had a sports background growing up um, and you played a lot of throwing sports. What sports did you play growing up? Um, so for a long time, I played, I played a lot of football. Mm. Um, I loved football. I still, I still love, I still like football. I would play football. I just don't, I don't really have a fitness for it anymore. <laughs> um, but I found I ended up having to play in goal a lot. Um, my favorite position to play was defense. I wanted to play in defense. And the, the football team that I played for wanted me to play in midfield. And I was like, oh, I hate this. It's just me wheezing up and down the pitch. <laughs> and then when I played for the school, um, this is going to sound really awful, but the girls who were in that team, I don't think really wanted to be in that team. They were all a bit frightened of the football um and so the teacher was like you're not frightened of the football you can be in goal and i was like great okay so we would play a 90 minute game of essentially penalty shootout because <laughs> it would all be played in the penalty box and then you know it would be a good result if we came away with it being like 14 nil and it'd be like yeah well i've, I've still at 14 nil i've still saved 80 percent of those but of course that involved quite a lot of lobbing balls out trying to get them as far away as possible and they inevitably would end up right back in my hands within 10 <laughs> seconds um and then i sort of always had a a bit of a gift for throwing um which i kind of attribute to because i played a lot of football i wanted to play football at primary school and the girls didn't play football so i had to play football with the boys and then in the winter, we weren't allowed to play football because we weren't allowed on the field. So we would throw a tennis ball back and forward, which mm. sounds really boring. But I mean, to primary school children, it was like elite level sport. <laughs> right. So there was a wire that went between two buildings and we would throw the ball over the wire, which in my mind now was like 100 foot high. And I've looked at it since and it's, it's, it's probably only about seven foot off the ground. <laughs> so, um, and I couldn't for, for, for months I could not throw this ball over that wire I just couldn't throw it hard enough and um, I ended up copying what all the boys were doing and I was like right well I'm throwing differently to them I'm throwing like a weird way which I now realized was like you know like that kind of stereotypical girl way of throwing and I ended up copying them and my whole throwing technique kind of changed and then I was like oh, I can lob it over the wire now and then from there, I just have kind of had a a, t a talent, I guess, or a skill for throwing. Um, I'm a firm believer. Well, I, I, it's not a belief; it's a fact. Throwing is a skill that you learn, and a lot of girls never learn it because they're generally never taught sports that require any high accuracy or high power overarm throwing. I think we have netball and we have. I mean, that's kind of it, really. It was netball was all I ever really did at primary school. And, of course, a distance throw, a netball was a shoulder pass. So if you give someone a ball and say throw it for distance, their hand automatically goes to their shoulder, not further back. So a lot of what I do when I train players is um, 
is especially if they're women and they're like, I can't throw. I'm like, no, 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 you can. You've just never been taught how to throw. Let's start from the beginning. Um, so it's one of those things where I kind of just have fallen into all these throwing based sports because I was good at throwing because I could throw a tennis ball over a seven foot wire. So you end up going into javelin because the, the teachers are like, you're good at throwing, throw a javelin. There we go. Get into the county team. Oh, you're good at throwing. Try badminton. That's overarm. And then you kind of fall into all these sports that require the same motion, that kind of overarm. And so I've just always had a sport. I've always done something and it's changed depending on what the recommendation is. Generally through secondary school, it was athletics in the summer, which was javelin and badminton in the winter. Mm. And I did that for years and years and years and years and years. I'm just thinking about what you said earlier. And I think in a way you're, I think you're, you're on the, you're on the, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I know, well, I wouldn't say I know a lot, but I would know some women who never played baseball, never played softball, never played, never threw a javelin or anything. A lot of the women I know had sports backgrounds that vary, but a lot of them either played basketball, which you're not really throwing. You're more like shuttle passing, if anything. Um, some I do know play football. Uh, I mean, not like gridiron. We'll call it gridiron. Why not? Um, they played kicker. Uh, I know several people who were cheerleaders, even some who were wrestlers. And I would, I would say I know a lot of women who can control their bodies a lot better than men, even pull their own body weight. But you actually might have hit something, uh, hit a nail on the head. I don't know too many women who grew up knowing how to throw. It's a, it's a skill. It's it, it, it's definitely a skill. It's not something you're you were born knowing. No, you. There are certain movements that you that everyone can do because you just know how to do them. But throwing is a really really complex motor skill that you have to learn. And if you ask any man, when did you learn how to throw? They they can't answer you because they've been do they they would have learned how to throw through trial and error as toddlers. Yeah. But for women, I mean, I can, like I said, I can pinpoint where I learned how to throw, which was learning how to throw that tennis ball over that wire. And it was from watching other people and being like, well, I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do that. And then basically relearning an entire sequence of movement so that I was throwing properly. And it's, it's interesting because if you, if you go back to basics, like with women and actually teach them how to throw when they come to the sessions, one of the first things I do with new players is I teach them how to throw a dodgeball because even for men, when you give them a dodgeball, it's such a weird thing to ask them to throw <laughs> that a lot of them also benefit from it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you've got new players, teach them how to throw, teach them how to, th like, like the basic mechanics of throwing a ball. Give them a tennis ball and teach them how to throw that and then get them to use a dodgeball. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like, I did a lot of research into this when I was coaching and it is a fact that throwing is one of the most complex motor skills that you can learn. And it's so difficult. And the reason why you don't get taught is because most people just pick it up through trial and error as kids. But of course, if you've never done stuff like that, then you will have never picked it up. And then you just think, Oh, I just can't throw. It's like, no, you can, you just haven't learned how. You just haven't learned how. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
and the fact that you did a lot of research into this, I'm not going to not going to knock you for it. That's actually it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there there's a lot of little complexities that people don't um, understand about it. Not to say that I'm the best thrower or anything, but there is a level of skill. Like you can tell who has talent as far as throwing with their accuracy, power, placement, and overall just preservation of their of their bodies. It does take a lot out of you when you're using your whole body to throw that you yeah as you should um yeah it does it does require a level of understanding and skill to to do it and there is a a sense of risk uh, attached to it um i know people who've had uh spiral fractures from throwing even with proper technique um sometimes because of the torque or their footing or wear and tear i mean it happens i mean it's 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 par for the course yeah Um, i've i remember saying to someone a few years ago, they had a they they were coaching a player who was throwing a ball so weirdly. They were using like their they were they were almost they were almost snapping their arm out, like using just their tricep to generate force. And I hmm. turned to the coach and I was like, "You should correct that. They're going to break their arm." And he was like, "Oh, but that's just their technique. They've been doing that for years." And I was like, "They're going to break their arm." And lo and behold, about two months later, they broke their own arm. Because they just whipped their arm through, arm sort of snapped tight, and the elbow just caved in. Mm. And I was like, I, you, you could, you could see it coming a mile off. It was like, this is, this is going to happen at some point. They're going to put too much power behind it. Their triceps going to pull their arm straight, and it's just going to break their arm. Oof. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to imagine that, but I've seen it too many times. Whether it was in martial arts or dodgeball, I've seen that too many times. Um, who are your role models uh, in the game, and who are your role models growing up? That's a really, really <laughs> tough question. Role models in the game. Also, before you answer that, I actually took a look at the jerseys. These are fire. Highly recommend if if these go on on sale at any time soon. You guys cop one of these uh, Trowbridge uh, jerseys. They look sick. <laughs> we uh we actually are doing a kit order soon, so keep oh, keep have, have a like the Facebook page. Give me oh. give me that organic marketing growth. For sure. Um. Yeah. Send me the link and I'll definitely do it for you. But uh, I'm not gonna let you dodge that question. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly I cannot think of a of a role model for the game i really can't i'm gonna have to go with um the guy who helped me set up Traybridge because he's also set up southwest dodgeball which is a i guess it acts as a kind of regional governing body does tournaments and organizes competitions and stuff like that and his name's james and he started up bath spartans after he graduated from bath spa and then he set up Chippenham Chargers. Uh, and then he helped me set up Trowbridge Tigers. So if anyone has given everything they possibly can to Dodgeball in the Southwest, it has to be him. And I, I honestly, yeah, okay. I don't think I would have set up Trowbridge without seeing him successfully run clubs. I think watching him do it and seeing that it can be done and having his help with it and you know he he runs my junior sessions i have a junior club and he runs them uh, and oh, i do nice. an adult one so i think i'm gonna have to give that to him and just 
the mammoth effort that he puts into everything that happens down in Southwest. If there's anything happening in the Southwest, you know that he's going to be involved somewhere. Whether he's mm. volunteering his time as a referee or whether he's actually just running the whole thing. So if you want to play dodgeball in the Southwest, he's he's your man to know, really. Hmm. And then Definitely something up, that popped up on my radar, for sure. Yeah, he's he'd be a good person to chat to. I think he's he's just given so much to dodgeball. Oh, stay tuned. Um, <laughs> I'll definitely reach out to him at some point for sure. Uh, now, um, any role models did you have uh, growing up? That's such a tough question. I cannot bring anyone to mind. <laughs> and I feel like there has to have been. It was like a, a netball coach you might have had, a, a mentor, a tutor. I really can't. <laughs> Sounds really awful, but like a lot of the PE staff, they were they were nice and all, but they also told me that I wouldn't be able to do Olympic level javelin because I was too short. And I was like, okay, well, my dreams have been crushed. So it's Ow. like, <laughs> oh. I mean, I would imagine you would have a better chance because you have a lower center of gravity, and you can generate that a lot quicker than most. I think his words were. Oh yeah, you're really good, but unfortunately, no coach will ever take you because you're just too short. And I was like, oh, I think I was 14, and I was like, ah, okay, all right. Then. Yeah, it's cool. not. <laughs> I mean, you can't be too short. If dude, I shot up seven inches when I was 14. I was five two, and then shot up to like five nine. I mean, I when... no, I was, I was definitely done. I was done growing. I, I was done growing. Well, <laughs> there's some really awkward photos. Um, you know, like you get like your kind of form photos of, of your yeah. class. I do not change from year eight to to year 13. I was done. I was a fully grown adult and it looks horrendous because <laughs> it looks like I've been held back several years. Right. <laughs> and then everyone just gets bigger around me and I stay the same. And um, yeah, I, I have I did buy the whole chain of photos because I thought it was hilarious. And I was just like, everyone just seems to get bigger around me. I'm like Benjamin Button, like not doing anything. <laughs> but yeah. So, so once you reach like what was it five two, five four? That was it. I'm five foot three. Oh, okay, so, so you, you and Vicky are about the same size. <laughs> yeah. Vicky Barclay, shout out one of my homies. Um, it's. Just, I mean, I feel like I'm short because even though I'm like five ten and a half, I thought I would be a lot taller. Because my my mom's side of the family, everyone's like six two, six three. I had an uncle, or had my my grandfather on my mom's side played basketball in Puerto Rico. He was seven feet, and I'm like, I shoot up seven inches in one year. Oh, I'm about to go to the league. The and genetics said, nope, that's all you getting. Like, all right, cool. I'll be average. Um, <laughs> so you couldn't think of anyone. I really, really can't. I can think of someone. All right, someone you res- you respect or someone you yeah so and this is it's, it's entirely unrelated to sport but yeah it doesn't I have to be sport related um and it it was it was I, i'm saying growing up i was 19 i think and <laughs> i was at a uni lecture and and as i said earlier i really didn't enjoy my course um, I stuck through it because I, you know, I'm one of those people where I'm like, I have to see this through to the end, which actually when it comes to university course, it's probably not the best mindset, um, <laughs> but you know, I did it. 
Um, and I remember I, I would sit through all the lectures all the time and just be like, oh, I am not good enough to be here. I'm not creative enough to be here. Everyone else could be creative on demand and I could not be creative on demand. And then this one one lady came in and she was a she was an alumni, so she'd done the course. And she said, oh yeah, I hated the course, you know? And I'm sure there's people in here that also don't, are not, are not enjoying being here. I wasn't good at it. I didn't, I didn't have the same creative flair. And she sort mm. of talked about that and then sort of said, well, I found out that what I was really good at was looking at what other people were doing and discussing it with them. So mm. she wasn't good at doing the actual work, but she was really, really good at talking about other people's work so she ended up going into like create like when i say creative writing i mean like she was writing about art and design and she ended up working for a magazine so and for me like sitting there thinking wow you know i've paid nine thousand pound to be here and i hate it um <laughs> it was really inspiring to hear yeah, okay, you might suck at it, but just find something you're good at and stick with that. And it was obviously then when I was like, right, I'm going to do a marketing campaign for my dodgeball club. And I was like, I love this. This is great. And then I followed that and I ended up going into marketing and I love my job. So it's it's unsport related, but if anyone had the biggest impact on my life, it was that one woman. You don't know her name? I don't, I'm afraid, no. <laughs> I think I, I switched on to the lecture... I, I sort of turn up to the lectures and be like, yeah, another lecture about someone who's gone into graphic design. Great. You know, let me hear about that. And it was about mm -hmm. 10 minutes in and she was like, I hated the course. And I was like, my interest is peaked. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> tell me more, miss. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you whether it's for Trowbridge or I'm sorry, uh, who's your rival on court, whether it's another team or another player, who's that one rival team or player that you always have to like put yourself up for like you know you're gonna have to be on your a game for for this one so i'm gonna go team because i don't think i have a player who i'm like that for that's fair i think judging on the recent league that we just finished i'm gonna have to say chippenham Chargers. chippenham Chargers have been the team to be in the southwest for a long time and really? Yeah, so so we've got our own little league that we run that's it's mostly for developing teams, but it's sort of our only opportunity to play, um, which obviously we're hoping next year we'll do some regionals. Um, but they were the team to beat and they beat us in the first, first time we faced them. And we knew that if we put our nose down to the grindstone, we could snatch the gold from them. And we had to, unfortunately go all out against the team who probably didn't deserve that and then <laughs> also try and beat them and we did manage it and I think there's a kind of friendly rivalry there um, which I really enjoy like it's always good to have that team that's kind of pushing you to get better and I think yeah. you know them beating us pushed us to get better and I think us then beating them is going to push them to get better so the next time we face them I think it's going to be it's it's 50 50 which which way it will go i think you know because we're both striving to kind of be the best team and and i think that's quite a nice little rivalry like where you've got people who are pushing you to get better but also you know we we do play together at other clubs like a lot of the chipping players come to my trowbridge club and a lot of the bath players come to my trowbridge club so we still have that kind of community feel it's not just like a 
animosity, I think. Yeah. It's like a kind of, yeah, we'll see who wins next time. We'll see who wins next time. And then I'm sure next time they'll probably be us. And then the time after, hopefully we'll be them <laughs> and, and it will just keep going in circles. I think I have one of their jerseys. Chippenham Chargers. Is that yeah. old or, or new? They've got two. I don't know which one. It, it's whatever would have been on the Kick Cult website. Oh, yeah, that's the older one, the one with the lightning bolt on it. Yeah, I think yeah. I have, I think I do because I remember last year I just took advantage of like putting everything in a crate. I know they have that. I know I'm giving uh, Aldred some advertisement. But yeah, you can you can place several orders and then get them all at one in a, in a crate. And last year I think I went on a bit of a shopping spree. I got um just from the looks of it, not trying to dig too much into my closet, I got shipping charger or chip chip gosh chipping chargers? Chippenum. Chipping him? Chip chipping him? Yeah, yeah, pretty much that, but faster. Chipping him. Chip chipping him. Oh, like we're there chipping go, the league. Yeah. Got it. All right. It's like we're chipping the league. We're just chipping them. Got it. Chipping him chargers. I got bass Spartans. That's uh, yeah, Bass Spartans is um is the one I play for. Yeah, I got I whoever is number ten, I'm rocking that number. I don't know why. Um well yeah, I know why it was my soccer number. Uh and I can see a bunch of other ones I can't identify, but I literally went like on a shopping spree and bought like three or four crates worth of jerseys last year. So Yeah, that's something I, I do I've been on the Kit Cut website a few times and there's a few kits that I really, really would like. And they're on my list. I think uh, one of them was the, the, I can't remember what team it was now, but the the one that came out not too long ago, uh, the Sharks. Sharks. Um, that, 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 as soon as I saw that kit, I was like, that is a nice kit. The Sharks. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Um, That's a Scottish team. Yeah. Kelvin Sharks? I can't remember who it was. Whoever it, whoever it was. Whoever it was. I know so it's a Scottish nice. team. I'm going to get corrected. It probably blasted. I don't know if it's Kelvin Sharks or Edinburgh Sharks. Something. I know it's a Scottish team. I do know that. Give me credit, people. I can be wrong occasionally. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, Chippenham. That's your that's your rival? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with that. Um, just purely based on that they've been our rivals, really, for, for this league. Hmm. I mean, it, maybe it'll change when we do regionals, but I think yeah, Chippenham is 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 the team that we we kind of want to go on and we kind of want to win. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask before I continued. Um, I can't believe I didn't ask this earlier. Is the Southwest sort of like a developing part of the UK? As for, as far as like, you guys don't drive up to St George's Park to play. We don't because we don't have enough players to warrant that kind of journey got it okay Um, so you guys just i mean i I know you said it before but you guys just have your own little thing on the southwest side yeah it's it is a developing area for dodgeball but there are a lot of teams here and you know i don't think the southwest gets the credit that it deserves really you know we we do try our damnedest to to do stuff but it's it's tricky it's a slow build it's it's come in and it's making its way down from the Midlands, but it's, it's slower. But the people who are here work so hard to to deliver stuff. You know, we we do the coaching courses. We we go into schools and we we talk to kids and we try and get them interested in coming along. 
you know, we band together to to make teams. Like I think I entered a an open competition, just a you know, like a kind of day open. And it was we called ourselves the Southwest Sirens because it was me and five other women from from across the Southwest. We just clubbed together for the day to make a team so that we could all have the opportunity to play some ladies dodgeball. And I'm going to be brutally honest and say I'm pretty certain that though those six people minus maybe like two or three extras are the only people who are actively competing in the Southwest as ladies players. Mm. So it's it's a slow build, but we we are working so hard to to push it forward. For sure. Um, and you say James uh, Robinstone, he's at the head of it. So he runs Southwest Dodgeball, um, oh, which he, is a kind of sort of mini. Yeah. He uh, runs a show. Yeah, like like a non profit that he's set up, called, and he's called it Southwest Dodgeball, and he does a league in Taunton every year um it's it's a cheap entry it's good you know way for developing teams to get some competitive experience um because obviously if you take a a developing team up to a national league even at the the lower end of it you're going to have quite a hard time and for a lot of players it can be a little bit demoralizing so that kind of league is is a really good way of of getting some experience learning how referees are going to interact with you seeing how the days run before you then decide to go on to do bigger stuff. Um, and so for a lot of teams, it's a really good way in to, to that kind of side of it and to give players an idea. And then they then can go on to do regional national leagues and they've, they don't feel like they're being thrown in at a deep end because they've, they've had a little nudge in the right direction already. Nice. I'll definitely reach out to him um, at some point soon. It seems like a, Nice fellow to bring on at some point. Um, do you have any pregame rituals before a tournament? Um, I have. <laughs> I have a bowl of porridge for breakfast. A what? It's a bowl of porridge. What is porridge? Um, what, would be, <laughs> what would be the American the American oatmeal? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, with maple syrup and chia seeds. Hold up! What you put maple syrup and in oatmeal? Yeah. It's so good. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to let you finish and then I'm going <laughs> to. All right. So you have a bowl of porridge with maple yeah. syrup. Maple syrup, chia seeds. That's that's my, that's my the breakfast that I have before open, league, whatever it's going to be. It's got to be porridge. And, yeah. And I, well, at the moment, I have to do a lot of warming up because obviously I had the shoulder issue. So mm-hmm. I have a little like um, band routine, you know, like those uh, uh, stretchy bands you get. Yeah. They have, a, they have a name. What are they called? <sighs> I have so many of them. Why do I not know what they're called? I'm going to uh, say TheraBand, but I don't think that's uh, right. That's probably the brand, if anything, but <laughs> we'll, we'll go with it. All right. Um, and then I play my games, plenty of water. And then I always have a protein shake at the end because I don't know how, whether it's a placebo effect, but I always feel like I hurt less if I have one. That's definitely a placebo effect. Uh, protein shakes have not been known, have not been conclusively uh, determined to reduce pain. Uh, a lot of times you would take anti-inflammatories and, and stuff like that. 
So that would be more of a placebo effect, if anything. Like, if it works for you, fine, cool. It's not going to work for the rest of the field in, in that oh, sense. Oh, yeah, no. It's just I always make sure I've got one. I always have a protein shake in my bag. And I always have I always have a healthy lunch. That's the thing, like, on league days, I don't take rubbish food. I don't know why. I just don't. I, I have, like, a proper, you know, I, I often take, like, salmon and salad and stuff like that. I I don't know why. Like, it seems to be, like, the most gourmet of affairs for me. Okay. No, that, that's fair. <laughs> Um, Which and then when I see people like eating crisps and cola bowls, I'm like, oh, I really wish I had brought them, but I never do wait, for some reason. Wait, hold on, Cri- okay, crisp or chips? Chip. Well, for you, it would be chips. It would be crisp. potato chips. Yeah. And what was the other thing you said? Like cola bottles, you know, like the little gummy cola bottles. Do you cola? Bo- you mean Coke bottles? Yeah, like bottles but- of Coke. No, they're they're like Haribo that are shaped like. Cola oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, we we sell those at the shop. Okay, there's something I got to pick on with you about this um, maple syrup and oatmeal slash porridge. All right, so you're familiar with a lot of the women out there. I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. I have a dear friend of mine in Wales. Her name, well, both two of them, uh, Elisa Storch and Amy Jones. Names ring a bell. Yep. Okay, so they get on, they get on me, but the, more so they get on me more so for the American culture. So if I is so when you said you use you put maple syrup in porridge, it kind of reminds me of the reaction that they get that they gave me when I say I put um, cream cheese on toasted bagels. Apparently, it's a disgusting thing for you British people out there. But when you say cream cheese like yeah cream isn't a smoked salmon and cream cheese like a thing though like i've no, no, no. smoked salmon and cream cheese bagel no no okay okay on uh wait on a cream yeah yeah yeah, yeah we do actually <laughs> hold on wait a minute hold on yeah it's not a british thing it's a welsh thing because <laughs> they try to say no one in in the uk does that i mean i i'm not a massive fan of cream cheese I find it but, a bit rich, it, but smoked salmon and cream cheese on a bagel is a thing, and I have definitely it is, ordered it is that a thing. for breakfast. Okay, but yeah, I, I, I would do that too um, if I had money for salmon. Uh, <laughs> but I'll just stick with a cream cheese and, and a bagel, or cream cheese and um, you know, everything my, bagel. My partner for lunch every single day has <laughs> cream cheese and chorizo sandwiches. That's my dog. Um, <laughs> I've been with him for five years, and he has the same lunch every day. That's my so. dog. <laughs> um, so it's not a UK thing. It's more of like an Amy and Elisa thing, then. The only thing I can think is that they're thinking the cream cheese is something else. But then, because in I my mind, think- I was like, oh, cream cheese is because like, I wouldn't have creme fraiche on a bagel, but that's not the same thing. I, I don't think so, but I don't know what creme fraiche is. Um, <laughs> creme fraiche is, a, is not very nice. I don't like it. I will mix it into cooking, but it's it tastes like sour yogurt, in my opinion. Okay. Some people yeah, love we're it. We're not touching that. <laughs> okay, we're not touching that. I'm thinking, is there something else that they probably got to confuse with? Because if you have it over there, I'm sure they know about it. I don't know. But then, to be fair, cream cheese, I think, 
if you've got a lot of it, it's quite an acquired taste. I, I don't like, if I'm going to have smoked salmon and cream cheese, it has to be the thinnest layer of cream cheese. Okay. All right. You know what? Now that I think about it, it has to be something else they got to confuse with. Because when you said porridge, obviously it means oatmeal. So cream cheese might mean something else over there. Chris. Although they might just hate cream cheese. Yeah, that could be that. But they, <laughs> they, they are on the hill ready to die saying it's not a UK thing. I've it, definitely it, had a smoked salmon and cream cheese bagel and it's not, <laughs> it's not been weird. I've been okay, to the fair, whole bagel fair. company right. and they sell a smoked Cle- salmon and cream cheese bagel. <laughs> Clearly, we're breaking boundaries here, people. We're, we're showcasing our cultures here. Um, which I'm is starting of- to question whether or not I know what cream cheese is. Okay, if I have some in the fridge, okay, after we're done recording, if I have some in the fridge, I'll take a picture of it, and you could just tell me if that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like my my brain is breaking. Yeah, it's it's breaking now. Like, it's kind of like the, I don't know, have you ever seen Doctor Strange? Yes, I have. All right, so when he's going through, like, all the universes, kind of, like, learning about sorcery. His mind oh, yeah, is yeah, being yeah. blown. That's what it feels like for me right now. Like I know fries are called chips. Crisp yeah. are called chips. Or crisp are potato chips. Yep. Um cream cheese gotta be something. A porridge means oatmeal. Um I'm pretty certain it does anyway. You know, like that. Haggis is chicken pot pie. Wait, no. Yes. Haggis is chicken pot pie. Intestines, isn't it? It's chicken pot pie. No, it can't be. <sighs> All right. You know what? We're going to let the viewers decide who's right. But I'm, I swear to God, I've seen a picture of haggis and that's chicken pot pie. Haggis is, it's definitely, it's awful, isn't it? Awful. I mean, I've never had haggis. I'm just saying it looks like chicken pot pie. <laughs> I'm pretty certain it's, it's like sheep awful. Sheep waffle? awful like you know like the the organs and stuff uh okay we're gonna we're definitely losing a few people <laughs> all right so um you, i'm like dude are we really i'm gonna have gonna... to look that up as well i was like i'm gonna because... have to look this up this is this has gone way I over feel like if it was chicken chicken pot pie like because my well, again my, my partner loves pie haggis. doesn't always like... have chicken oh, okay because i'm it... i'm just thinking of chicken pie Moving on, um, <laughs> do you have a pregame uh, lo- uh, song you like to listen to or, or songs you like to listen to? I don't, actually. I actually don't like listening to music before playing. Okay. I I prefer to get into a, my own rhythm. I find, like, the music, if, if it's not right, it kind of messes up my rhythm a bit. And I've yet to find something that's kind of, like, I have to settle into a game and find the right rhythm for that game. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not gonna let that go. I'm gonna do some research as soon as we're done. Uh, we're gonna get into the crowdsource questions. And Dylan Ross, where do you see Southwest Dodgeball going in the future? And as a part two, is Foam Dodgeball coming to SW? So, I think the Southwest is a, is a slow grow, but it's it's growing. And I know that. I mean, obviously, I'm going to take over Bath Spartans in September because James is running a million clubs and he's going to try and focus on bringing like the juniors up. Mm. And for me, we're going to start doing regional competitions to get ready for national competitions. 
So we're going to start putting ourselves out there. I know Chippenham are going to start putting themselves out there. I know Plymouth University have already started that. They've been really heavily involved with Bucks. So I think actually in the next few years, there'll be a real, there'll be a real boom of teams appearing from the Southwest. So I think we're going to see some growth in the next few years. And I'm really looking forward to that. In terms of foam, like I said, I'm not a massive fan, but I have ordered the foam dodgeballs and I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to learn it and I'm going to try and teach it to other people. So we'll see. I I think for me, I'm always going to love the cloth dodgeball. The cloth dodgeball is is what represents dodgeball for me because it's what I've learned how to play. But if... I'm gonna I'm gonna give the other one a go, and if I enjoy it, then I'll add it in. I'll add it into the mix. But I think, to be fair, I do have to allow people to learn it so that they can decide which one that they want to play. Right. And uh, if there's any foam tournaments happening out there, I'll definitely be looking forward to flying out in the SW. Just got to find whatever airport's closest. Bristol. <laughs> Bristol, I think, is the only one. Jesus Christ. Um, Is it international or do I have to take like four different connecting flights? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I don't even, I think, I mean, I know I can fly to Europe from Bristol, but that's really not that far away. I know that there's other other airports. There's like one in Exeter and stuff like that, but I don't know how far they go. Yeah, I don't know if they're international. Bristol US. Bristol is international, but I don't know if it flies to the US. Oh, that's gonna suck. How far is Heathrow from you? Um about two hours? Not too Never far. mind. Um, but I'll definitely be out there for sure. Uh okay, so we're gonna get into comments. James, only if you help us understand what to do with it. Oh, with foam. He's referring to foam. Caitlin. Yeah, no we don't foam. know what we're doing. <laughs> you don't know what you're okay, fair enough uh dylan i don't think anyone does that's the beauty of it <laughs> well i've been playing since 04 so i could definitely uh fly over and teach you a few things so definitely get that going aaron roberts as a follow-up to dylan's question how do you plan to push bath spartans forward now by taking over taking it over so i've already kind of been stepping up a little bit to yeah. try and take some pressure off of james and get a feel for it. i mean i've been training with bath spartans since 2015 so i have a good foot in with the club i've i've just captained the the team which is i guess technically a men's team because we don't have enough ladies for mixed Mm. um we really want to push forward and do some regional competitions we want to get out there and get some better competitive experience to to be pushed to get better um, another thing I've kind of been working on is we're going to try and get a new kit. You know, the the kit's nice and it's iconic and it's what I've always had, but I think it's time for a little refresh. Hmm. Uh, I know a lot of the players, they're quite keen to have something new. Um, so we're going to have a look at that. And I also really want to kind of build a better relationship with the university. We train in Bath. There's two universities there. That's such a key source of players especially at bath spa because their dodgeball team disappeared so you know if we can get in there if we can rebuild that relationship we have quite a close relationship with the university of bath and a lot of their players do come down 
but I really want to kind of build on that and for us to be able to offer them you know that real competitive experience the opportunity to represent not just the university but the city mm. um I think is would be really nice you know so they can obviously do the bucks and the university leagues for their university but they can also pull on the um the Spartan top and represent the actual city of Bath um which I think is a really really key opportunity so at the moment what I'm looking at is having a little bit of a rebrand having a build on the member base and giving the players that extra push by getting them into tougher competitions and giving them you know that kind of scope for seeing how much they need to improve and and what they need to do to move forward and giving them that kind of motivation because we've obviously we've just done the Taunton League and it was really really good fun and we really enjoyed it but it is mainly aimed at more developing teams and so we didn't we didn't have as much of a challenge as other teams did and I think mm. you know that that's fine but you're not going to get better unless you get challenged so we'd still obviously love to take part in that again and I think for other teams it can be quite good you know because we've been playing for a lot longer than some of them to 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 be able to see experience and for us to be able to chat to them and get to know them and build those relationships but I think we need to we need to be pushed now. We need to go somewhere where we're going to have a real challenge and we're going to have to fight really quite hard to do well. Nice. Um, another question from Dylan Ross. Uh, just for the record, who is he? Is he a player from, from your club? So, or? Dylan is a University of Bath player, but at the moment he's doing a placement in Manchester, so he's playing for Manchester Bees. Okay. Um, I think he'll be quite heavily involved with the running of the university team next year. Um, I don't know what, in what capacity, but I think, you know, he's, he's looking to move more into a position of getting players competitive ready. So, you know, I, I, I'm quite looking forward to potentially working quite closely with him on developing both sets of players. Nice. His next question was, which is your favorite club to play for? Um, it has to be Bath. Bath. I love Trowbridge and Trowbridge is my team and it's my team that I've set up, but we haven't really played together. And right. I've just spent a season playing, you know, I've, I've played with Bath for many years, but I've just spent perhaps my favorite season um, with the players. I love everyone in that team. Everyone in that team is, is so lovely and so ready to play and so keen. And, um, it has to be that one. I've I've just I've never enjoyed a season so much as I've enjoyed this one. Nice, uh, James Robinson. Uh, Robinstone, sorry. Um, if you could play for any team you've played against, who would you choose? I thought about this one earlier. It would be <laughs> Wessex Wolves ladies. Nice. I've played against Wessex Wolves ladies a few times, and I just think as a ladies team, they have such a good atmosphere. And I just, I if I was going to play for a ladies team, it would be Wessex Wolves ladies. I just, everything about them is so friendly. Um, obviously, when you're playing them, sometimes it it's not that friendly. But, <laughs> but when they're right. throwing five, five dodgeballs at you, but you always come off the court and you feel like you've had a good game. And they're always, they're going to shake your hands afterwards. And they're, you know, they're going to come and chat to you. There's, there's no kind of malice at all in that team. It's, 
it's just such a nice team to play against. You know, even if they batter you, you come off the court and you feel like you've had a good time. Yeah. Um, and bonus, you'll be playing with Vicky in that in that scenario. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I love watching Vicky play. She's, she's <laughs> got such an energy and I love it so much. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. I, I told her I'm, I'm one of her biggest fans for sure. Um, Hannah Catterall, dear friend of the podcast, dear friend of mine. Why are you such a spicy tiger? <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> I mean, you might as well give it a shot because... <laughs> We not um, we not ducking this. I I'm gonna put it down to <laughs> a good level of pessimistic sarcasm. Hannah <laughs> and I have have many a conversations that are just, you know, talking absolute rubbish about anything, and I feel like that's probably where that stemmed from. Mm. I like to think I have quite a quick wit for being. I guess quite sarcastic. That would explain why we, me and her get along so well. Um, but no, no, she's awesome. Love her to death. Uh, what's your favorite game outside of dodgeball? This is another Hannah question. Um, cool. Physically, badminton. <laughs> love badminton. I love how, especially when you get like a bit older older players um it becomes very political i love that i don't know why it becomes political? very dramatic yeah in the uk like there, there tends to be quite a lot of politics in badminton clubs wait there's actual clubs in batman i thought it was just like 2v2 no, and yeah, 1v1. There's, there's a proper clubs i used to be part of one um, <sighs> okay yeah it, um, it mainly tends to be sort of older people um my my grandfather actually he played badminton for years um but yeah i mean one thing i noticed at the club i played at was um there was definitely a few people there who thought they were god's gift to badminton and i was like well <laughs> you're not at the olympics you can you can chill out a bit yeah and then um, I, I, I do love playing badminton all right well um I was going to add to bonus points if you mentioned League of Legends, but you didn't, so there we go. Well, if I was going to pick a, a like a, a non-physical game, yeah, video game, it would be Skyrim. Oh, nice! I it was the first <sighs> proper game that I ever played on an absolute rubbish computer, which couldn't render light, <laughs> and I. I've racked honestly. Meridia's Beacon Quest. If you can't see light, is impossible. It's, I had to just yeah. pull levers until something happened. Um, but I've I've played it on the PC. I've played it on the on most of the consoles, um, and I've racked up so many hours in it. And it's one of the, it's so as we were talking about earlier, the achievements. Mm -hmm. I have seventy four out of seventy five of the achievements. And I won't get the 75th one because it involves becoming a vampire. And that is just too much faff. I can't it's be dealing with, with being burnt by the sun every time I go outside. <laughs> and I oh. always look at that and I'm like, it's only one more achievement and it burns me inside. And I'm like, Damn. I just don't want to grind for hours not being able to go out in the sunlight. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> It's one just day one I'll tick off. What, one you, day I'll tick off. You, you've done 74. 
What's one more? It's the, it's the collect, only one. Yeah. I had to collect over 300 Riddler trophies in Arkham, uh, Arkham Knight just to get the perfect ending. I mean, like I said, I did the Assassin's Creed Syndicate and I got every damn thing on that map. But that, I don't know honestly, how you I, I just don't want to be a vampire. I just can't. My my urge to not be a vampire is greater than my urge for the final achievement. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Some of the best heroes on the planet were va- Blade is a vampire. Okay, um, who else? Uh, Alucard from Castlevania is a vampire, albeit a half one, but he still counts. Angel Spike from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I hope you guys have that show. It's really good, by the way. We do. Um, sweet. Whoever plays Spike, that 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 dude is the real MVP. Um, come on, man, join the dark side. We got cookies. Uh, I, just, I just don't like the faff of the sun. Although I do have like, so obviously I've played Skyrim through, good God knows how many times, and every single time I go and get Serana as my follower because she's the best follower because she has custom lines and she's sarcastic. She doesn't just follow you around and get stuck in doorways. She follows you around and she comments on the weather and she comments on people when they're when they're rude to you. And I'm like, this is what I need, you know, not Lydia standing in a doorway, you know, Serana going, Oh, look at that woman's cloak. Ugh. <laughs> That's what I need. You know, you know, she kind of she kind of reminds me of Hannah. Like you're walking around right. <laughs> I can uh, see that. That explains your friendship with her. All right. Um now I think about it, yeah, best <laughs> best follower, Hannah Catterall. Who is your dream team? Oh, do you know? Again, I'm going to say the team I've just played uh, in Bath with. Mm. I that final team in that final league meet was incredible, and we had we had a real good mix. We had returning players, we had current players, we had some junior players. And I just, I mean, I couldn't play properly because I was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watching it unfold, I was like, this is incredible. And it was at that point, I was like, we can do regional competitions and we should do regional competitions. So definitely that one. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, to continuing to play with that team. Nice. Um, I added in the comments, you as a captain and whoever you choose for Hannah. Um this is her trademark question. What's the one thing you're grateful for? Um, I'm really grateful that whatever was wrong with my shoulder was fixable. I think if, because I had to go private to get it fixed, which I'm very fortunate that I could do. What do you mean go private? So I had to go through private healthcare. Oh, okay. Well, you guys yeah. have that over there? Yeah, you can you can buy your own private healthcare. I mean, I I don't. It's it's a perk that I have through through a job. Mm. Um, but it was one of those. It it was actually a career ending injury. It was like a, yeah, that's that's it now. You should give up on throwing sports and do something else. But actually, going private, I could pay to have it fixed, and I'm I'm really grateful that it was something that that could be fixed, because I think having to cut dodgeball out would have been really awful. And I don't know how I would have coped with that. I would have obviously still been able to coach and be involved, but I just, I don't feel like I'm done playing yet. I feel like I have more things to do playing. 
I've heard that. I heard that. I felt that in my soul. Um, Aaron Roberts, what are your future dodgeball ambitions? Like I said, I'd love to get back into the England Academy. Um, mm. And you know what? I, I did the GB trial and um, obviously I, I knew that it wasn't going to come to much. I was trialing for cloth and they already had the cloth team. But mm. I think if, if at some point I could get to that level, I would be so pleased. But ultimately I'd love to, I'd love to leave a legacy where players are continuing to play. And I'm, I'm kind of getting that already. Like I said, I've got players who are, when they move away, they, they start up or seek out teams and I've had players who have gone out and made new teams. And I would love if the legacy of Trowbridge and of Bath was people playing dodgeball and finding teams and making teams and growing the sport, especially in the Southwest, because the Southwest, it, it needs to grow. And, and it is, you know, when you see people setting things up, I would love if, if I knew that most of that was was a domino effect from clubs that I'm involved with. I think that would be, it would be really nice. I'd be able to retire from the sport really happy knowing mm -hmm. that there had been that domino effect and now there's more clubs and more players and stuff like that. I think that would be really helpful for for showing that the Southwest is not somewhere to be ignored. It needs to, it's it's got talent and it needs a bit of a light shot on it. That's nice. Um <laughs> I feel there's a story behind this, but I feel like I already know most of it. James, what percentage of your body has not been injured yet due to dodgeball? Yeah, I have a, a bit of a reputation <laughs> <laughs> for being consistently injured. Um, I've I've actually I've been on a I've been on a real unlucky streak. Um, I, this has stemmed from that unlucky streak. Uh, a few weeks ago, I did a league fixture. I played for Southampton. I was helping out. A developing team so i was sort of just just being an extra body but also someone with a bit of experience to help their kind of freshers and their captain and stuff like that and i made a catch and folded over the ball and tore a muscle in my leg and then it was essentially out of playing for a week and mm. it's awful i don't recommend and then a week later I did the GB trials and my leg was better enough. And I was like, I can't, I can't not, I can't pass this opportunity up. I've got to go. And I tore my hip flexor, which is the Oof. muscle between your femur and your pelvis. So I couldn't walk properly for a, another week and a half. Um, and then right before league, I, I sort of messaged James and said, we've got league at the weekend. I'll let you know beforehand if I'm going to be okay. Cause obviously I've torn the muscle and I've torn the hip flexor and it got to about Thursday. And I thought, no, nope, I'm feeling good. I can play. I'm feeling good. So I messaged him and I said, yeah, I'm good. I'll be there. You know, I'll, I'll be there on Saturday. And then on the fr Friday morning, I woke up, I rolled over in bed to turn off my alarm and my neck cracked. Oof. And um, so <sighs> I, no one's going to have heard of this. I had never heard of it, but you can have a condition called torticollis, which is called torticollis twisted neck syndrome, which oh. is where you twist your neck 
and you tear a muscle or snap some cartilage or some bone or a tendon or something and your your head ends up twisted to one side unable to move back and the only cure is rest and uh, muscle relaxant which in my case was uh, diazepam mm. so I had to then message James on the Friday morning and I was like I'm out I'm not coming tomorrow I'm sorry I'm lying in bed I can't move my head <laughs> And he was like, what have you done overnight? And I was like, well, get up and turn my head and nearly break my own neck. So I have a theory about that. Um, I have a theory that I'll share with you about that. Um, Just on the off chance, because I think you're a very nice person. Do you think you might have pissed someone off, say, six months ago? (laughs) Um, Oh, when was six months ago? Six months ago. What month? <laughs> I was like, when was six months? Six months ago. Uh, let's see. I'm looking on my phone. Uh, September? Oh, I'm going forward. That's this September. Let's have a look. What happened <sighs> in my gotta go backwards. Ever? Wait, you... I feel like you document every day. <laughs> my calendar is... I, I do put everything in my calendar. Fair um... enough. I feel like you had to have pissed someone off. And the only reason I say that is because someone created a voodoo doll for you to have all these freakish strings of luck of with injuries. So in September, I did go to a baby shower. So maybe my gift wasn't good enough. <laughs> maybe you got him a present for a girl and it was a boy. <laughs> well, it's um my cousin, uh, my cousin's daughter. The theme was was books, so um, we all had to bring a favorite childhood book, and then mm. they would have a collection of books. And I did Owl Babies, I think, which actually is a really lovely book. But no, I can't see anything in my September. But maybe <sighs> I have. Maybe you have. Maybe you cut someone off in traffic. Maybe you delivered an unnecessary headshot. Maybe you caught someone who had a bad day and they just wanted to take you out. I don't know. Someone created a voodoo doll of you. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm also a firm believer in bad luck comes in threes. So you, you when you have bad luck, it always comes in three things. And you know what? I've had two torn muscles and twisted neck. So that's three. So I'm, in my opinion, I'm golden now. So, in your, so- okay, fair enough. In your opinion, you're <laughs> golden. All right. I've got two league fixtures this weekend. And I am being so careful. Please do. I mean, I hope you, I know we don't have the camera on right now, but I hope you're like surround, surround yourself with bubble wrap and, and don't take any unnecessary risk. Um, Hannah laughed at that question hysterically. And you just bring up this uh, old man with the coffee and laptop just laughing. <laughs> um, hide, the, hide the pain, Harold, that is. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, his name is Hide the Pain Harold. Okay, I I never knew who this person was. So it's a it's like a British show or something. It's a it's a meme. I know it's a meme, but is it based off like a British show or something? Because I don't know who oh, this guy I, is, I have, but I know I, know, I have no idea who he is. Oh, okay, but fair I enough. Just know he's Hide the Pain Harold. Got it. Uh, Hannah like, Catterall. Yeah, yeah. Hide the pain. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to explain this clip right now. What noise do you make when you get jump scared in games? And just for the people at home um, who are obviously, you know, only listening, you're not watching the the Facebook uh, group page, you screeched over a jump scare 
and oh, it was you. You actually posted that clip. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. Pretty gnarly clip. Uh, <laughs> he did not enjoy it. I hate jump scares. You hate jump scares? <laughs> I hate them so much. I can't watch scary films. I don't like it. Don't enjoy it. Really? But I, but I really enjoy Phasmophobia as a game because it's not... It's spooky, but not jump scary. But obviously, there's a few bits where, like, suddenly, if some weird noise comes through your headset, you do poop yourself a bit, and you're like, "Oh god!" And I, I don't enjoy that. But yeah, I, I, so you, you screech I a lot. A scre- when you- yeah, I, I screech. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever screamed in my life. You know, it's like a really, <laughs> it's a no, weird so noise. It's a screech. It sounds well. It's definitely evidence of fear. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, you don't scream. You, you, you let off like a, like a siren yell, a siren screech, maybe it's not a, it's, you're not screaming. No. So this is outside of jump scares. So I went on holiday with my partner years ago and we went on this, um, water slide that is essentially like a, like a drop like you literally drop off the top and then you go up the other side and back down again and when we went down like i once i've done it once it's fine but the kind of first time you do it it's really nerve-wracking and i obviously i don't scream i make this horrible screeching noise that's it's really it's really deep as well it's not like a it's not when when you hear screech you think high-pitched it's not it's it's really deep deep. yeah yeah. (laughs) And he thought it was so hilarious that this noise <laughs> that he insisted that we went on this ride over and over and over and over. And he was like, he he was like, it's so funny. He was like, why don't you scream? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I can. I just never have. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this horrible, <sighs> reachy, low growling noise <laughs> that's... I don't know. It was. It's probably scarier than than anything that has made me make that noise. Probably. I mean, because that that clip. I'm not gonna lie. That made me laugh. Um, but yeah, I just... I actually do have a better one. Um, that's not of this of the screech, but of when I knew something bad was coming and just lost all ability to speak. And <laughs> Wait, what? People have it as their ringtones because they f- thought it was so funny. No way. That's getting, um, that's getting trolled on a different level. I'm going to have to dig it out. I, I have it on my Twitch as a clip. All right. Definitely send was, that to me because I got to see this. I just, obviously, in this game, once your torch starts flickering, you know something bad's coming. And I just couldn't cope. <laughs> so. <laughs> Clearly. I just started. I just started making any kind of noise that would let other people know that something bad was happening, and there was just no. It, there was no like noise to it. Hang on, I've I've, I've dug it out. But um, it was just it was just complete garbled nonsense, that didn't mean anything. Hey, you were speaking in tongues. You were that scared. It's yeah. It's it's great. I love it, and I love that people have this as their ringtones. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear this as soon as we're done recording because uh, yeah, I don't know if I can edit that out. I don't know if you say something in there. I'm not supposed to have on, but we'll we'll definitely hear that. But um, Andy Long, what is your best moment in dodgeball? 
Um, I think getting into the England Academy is probably the absolute highlight. I really couldn't believe I'd done it when I did it. And I, I was on holiday when I found that because they, they don't tell... Wait, no, did they tell me? Oh, yeah, I got an email and I was on holiday. And I was just with my family and I was like, oh, my, I can't believe it. Because especially, like, being from the Southwest, no one knows who you are. No one sees you any competitions. So I knew that I'd had to have really done well on that day for them to give me a shot Um, because they would have had nothing else to base it off at all other than what I'd done on that day. And I was, I think for me, that's the absolute pinnacle. And that was, that's something I'll always be really proud of. Um, And for me, like that kind of told me, do you know what? I, I'm not bad at this sport. I'm not the best at this sport, but I'm not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And it's for me, that's, that's been the kind of driver going forward is is having a bit of confidence being like i i can have some confidence in myself nice um and it's definitely well deserved for sure um i can say we've had a a a very solid chat very fun one uh but i'm gonna hit you in the gut with this one the legacy question so caitlin barber how would you like to be remembered once you step away from the game um i would like it to be through the clubs that sprung up i would like when other people like when people are talking about the clubs that they've started or that they're part of and people say how did you get into dodgeball they turn around and they say i went to this club in Trowbridge, i went to this club in bath and i really enjoyed it and so i've done this because even if they're not saying me by name for me if they've gone on to make other clubs better or start their own clubs and they in their they know that it's because they enjoyed their time with me coaching them that for me is is perfect knowing that you know they'll then go on to hopefully inspire other people and then they'll then go on to inspire other people and it just it just branches out and branches out and branches out and everything grows and and it's that one that first domino mm-hmm. i think is is for me would be perfect well, I will definitely say you definitely dropped more than one domino. Um, having you on, I would like to think, helps put the Southwest on the map. Uh, I think your time in the game, you still have plenty more to give, let's be fair. When oh, yeah. What, I mean, 20, 26, I think, 25. I think, <laughs> I think got, I'm going to have to be swept off of that court at this rate. So, well, you're either going to be swept or scraped off with a, uh, yeah. the, um, what do they call those things that carry people in ambulances? Oh, a stretcher. Stretcher, stretcher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, knowing your luck with injuries. But um, yeah, probably. hopefully it doesn't come to that. Uh, but I will say by the time everything's over, Southwest will be on the map, and you'll be a pioneer because of it. You'll be a pinnacle part of it. You'll probably spring up way more clubs than you think. And who knows, maybe – Trowbridge or Bath will shock the world at an open outside of the Southwest. And once you see that happen, you'll know it's because you're one of the key figures that helped make it happen. So I consider it an honor to interview you, to cement your legacy thus far, but to remind you, you got plenty more left in the tank. Thank you very much for for having me and letting (laughs) me, letting me talk about the Southwest. (laughs) Sure. 
Um, do you have any final shout outs you'd like to give before we wrap up? Um, I'm going to shout out to Hannah because I think Hannah is definitely the crux for this. Um, and I, I think I've met Hannah like twice in person and I just feel like I know her so well. And she's just got such a passion for the sport. And then I'm also going to shout out to all of my players in the Southwest. I did this for international women's day, you know, for the, for the women in the Southwest and just about, you know, the perseverance and determination that they show all the time, despite there not really being a good level of opportunity and stuff like that. But I'm going to, I'm going to extend that out to everyone. If you play in, in the, in that Southwest region and you, you're showing up and you're here, please have a shout out for that because you know, you're the people who are going to push it forward. And I'm always excited when I see you guys at competitions and I see you doing stuff and, pushing things forward for sure let, let, let everyone know right now as soon as this episode as soon as you hear this episode the southwest is on the map from bristol to bath to um uh, trowbridge and i think she said another town i probably can't pronounce at the moment because i'm terrible at pronouncing names apparently <laughs> um what was it what was the other town you said uh Tintin? no no taunton taunton well, Taunton. it's Bridgend. I've got a club now. You've got Plymouth, Exeter, Dartmoor. All of them. Alma. We're putting all of them on the map right now. All of them. Yeah. They, they, they on the map, fam. All right. And that was my interview with Caitlin Barber. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story, as well as all the hard work you've done in Southwest uh, England, putting that, uh, putting that region of dodgeball on the map. Um, all the great work you've done. James uh, Robinson, hope to reach out to you soon. Uh, well, I guess I'm doing it now in a way. Uh, I'll definitely make that happen for season six. Um, it's a beautiful thing to see dodgeball grow in in in, uh, in regions where maybe there's not that much going on, and I can anticipate great things coming out of that region in England. I'd say in the next five years, we'll definitely hear more about them. Um, I continuously wish you guys luck over there. Uh, for everyone out there and the Southwest uh, dodgeball. Keep at it. This is me telling you right now, um, encourage trying to encourage you to keep doing the work you're doing. Keep the growth alive, keep the game alive and understand that you will not just appear in my radar, but you'll appear in others as well. So keep it going, man. It's only going to get better from here. And um, I'm, I'm cheering for you all the way from Hollywood. So if you listened up until this point, Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.